Predominant belief number one, objectivity. In this module, we will be exploring and unpacking our beliefs around objectivity. As with all of our modules, we will be starting with a quote, and the following quote is by Ocean Vuong from his book, On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous. They will tell you that great writing, quote unquote, breaks free from the political, thereby, quote unquote, transcending the barriers of difference, uniting people towards universal truths. They'll say this is achieved through craft above all. Let's see how it's made, they'll say, as if how something is assembled is alien to the impulse that created it, as if the first chair was hammered into existence without considering the human form. One of the myths that continues to persist in the world of research, and within that, the world of social R&D, is that we as researchers are objective, neutral beings. The myth of objectivity is pervasive not only in social R&D, but more broadly, it is a key characteristic of white supremacy culture. According to this myth, researchers are neutral vessels that collect, process, and interpret information objectively without influence from their personal feelings or opinions. It is fueled by the belief that emotions are inherently destructive and irrational and should not play a role in research. It invalidates people who show emotion, requires people to think in a linear fashion, and diminishes any thinking that doesn't appear logical to those in power. This persistent denial of subjectivity also contributes to harm and abuse in the form of gaslighting, or, in other words, the act of manipulating a person by forcing them to question their thoughts, memories, and the events occurring around them. The myth of objectivity creates a false hierarchy where those who think are placed higher than those who feel, as though we don't all have both of these faculties, and as though our thoughts and feelings don't influence each other. It plays into and reinforces that men are thinkers and women are feelers, and prioritizes the value of the former over the latter. It is in play when an idea that is initially dismissed when proposed passionately by a woman of color at the table is all of a sudden picked up and lauded when the same or similar idea is retabled in a, quote, more measured, matter-of-fact tone, end quote, by a white colleague. These are a few of many ways in which the myth of objectivity holds up the historically privileged. It is linked to the belief that there is only one right way, only one way to interpret a situation, and conveniently affords that so-called objective judgment to those in power, or in our case, to the researchers over the participants. The myth of objectivity also invisibilizes the ways in which researchers, participants, and their shared interactions all influence each other and shape not only what is shared, but also what is heard and what is documented. The researchers' biases about the communities they are engaging will shape both what they ask and what they hear. Their hypotheses about the research question will influence which insights stand out to them as relevant. The researchers' emotional state will determine how they interpret participants' responses. And their personal and professional stakes in the projects will be weighed when they decide which findings to share and how to share them. On the flip side, 
participant engagement is shaped by their perception of the researcher, the biases they hold, and what they feel is expected of them. In the words of author and professor Robin Wallkeimerer, while science may be, quote, rigorous in separating the observer from the observed and the observed from the observer, end quote, the lived experience of a research interaction transcends the arbitrary divides erected by the myth of objectivity. Both the researcher and the participant are inevitably affected by the other. In the words of science fiction author Octavia E. Butler, all that we touch, we change, and all that we change, changes us. While we as researchers are often quick to accept that we can affect change on those we touch, we are less attuned to the ways in which the participants we engage with and the biases we hold about them can change us and how we show up. That would mean having to admit that we are at least in part subjective that knowledge is relational, and that we see others through the lens of our own lived experience and social conditioning. The myth of objectivity is linked to the erasure of the body and the supremacy of the mind over the body that happens within academia and social R&D. In the words of author and professor Bell Hooks, the erasure of the body encourages us to think that we are listening to neutral, objective facts facts that are not particular to who is sharing the information. We are invited to teach information as though it does not emerge from bodies. She goes on to share, the restrictive, repressive classroom ritual insists that emotional responses have no place. Whenever emotional responses erupt, many of us believe our academic purpose has been diminished. To me, this is really a distorted notion of intellectual practice. Since the underlying assumption is that to be truly intellectual, we must be cut off from our emotions. Some of the resistance to subjectivity, or the realm of the emotions, the physical, and the spiritual, may also be because we as researchers do not feel equipped to navigate these realms within a research context. We will unpack more of the role of the mind-body split in the mind-body split and disembodiment module. The myth of objectivity is upheld by the people who stand to benefit the most from the credibility it affords them. That said, as with most toxic beliefs and systems, it is harmful to everyone involved. The myth of objectivity is harmful to participants because it removes the responsibility of the researchers to examine and mitigate their biases about the communities they are working with by assuming that they have none. It privileges the assessment of the researcher over the lived experience of the researched. It sets researchers up to re-traumatize and misrepresent the communities they are engaging with under the guise of, quote, we're giving them a voice, end quote. The myth of objectivity is harmful to researchers because it treats them as information-gathering robots and completely negates that they are impacted and shaped by what they hear. And when we assume that researchers aren't affected by their work, there is no need for them to be supported in working through this impact, which then absolves institutions and organizations of the responsibility of caring for their researchers. All of that said, there are ways out of the myth of objectivity. As researchers, some of the antidotes to the myth of objectivity 
include developing an examined and ongoing understanding of our personal lineage, the stories that we hold, and the ways in which we are predisposed by our own lived experiences to make harmful assumptions about those we are engaging with in a research interaction. It involves naming these biases and taking steps to mitigate them in ways that push past just shifting mental models and rather unravel the ways in which these biases are embodied in our bodies, relationships, organizations, and systems. It involves acknowledging the ways in which we are affected by the work that we do and seeing that as natural rather than pathologizing it as quote-unquote too involved, too attached, or too sensitive. The following reflection prompts are intended to help you work through your own relationship to objectivity and the beliefs that you hold around it. I invite you to pause after each question and note down any immediate responses that emerge before diving deeper into this exploration. How do you define objectivity? What experiences have shaped or reinforced this definition for you? Do you believe that there are situations in which you can be entirely objective? Why or why not? What is your relationship to your emotions versus your thoughts? Do you experience one as more legitimate than the other? If so, why? Who have you typically associated with objectivity or experienced as objective? How has the assumption of researchers as objective vessels served you? How has it cost you? What other norms, beliefs, or practices within the field of research and academia would be called into question if we questioned the myth of objectivity? How have you or people around you been pathologized for showing emotion? I invite you to pause here and take some time to unpack your responses to these prompts before moving on to the next module. Thank you.